Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast with me, Susie Barry, and my husband and fellow master of wine, Peter Richards. Now, this is the first episode of season three. So we wanted to take this opportunity, didn't we, to do something completely different. Yeah, yeah, this is our very first explicit episode. Mm. Um, Not in that way, just just a few gentle sweary words. But just, you know, (laughs) just to be really clear from the outset, this was all your idea, wasn't it? Fair enough, yeah. So if it bombs, bombs, I'll be passing that button. I'm sure you will. Squarely your way. Uh, But, you know, if everyone loves it, raves about it. Please, Laurie, rave about it, rave about it. Come uh, on. You know, then you'll be right again. (laughs) And and I'll just, you know, bask in the reflected glory and and go and sit in the corner and sit my rose quietly. (laughs) Oh, bless, bless. But no, no, no. I mean, we just wanted to keep things fresh and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, We've always been about having fun on the show. And we love a collaboration, don't we? Um, So this... This ticked all the boxes, and we hope we hope you guys like it too. Yep, yep. So this is the big fake booze episode where we dive headlong into the bitter, twisted, uh, dark, and, and, and slightly damp, I have to say, you know, world of of the planet's leading satirical booze news service, uh, whose entire raison d'etre is lampooning the world of wine and drinks in general. Which, um, let's face it, can take itself a bit too seriously. No, that's very it? true. It's very At true. It's, it's necessary. So, you know, think like the Daily Mash or The Onion, uh, but about booze. Uh, its strapline is, like truth, but better. So you get the gist already. You do, you do. So Fake Booze is a website, fake-booze.com, set up by a respected and, I would say, hitherto pretty respectable yeah, drinks journalist Chris been, yeah. Losh almost exactly a year ago. Oh, now, okay. in that time, it has managed to strike fear into everyone in the drinks industry, including <laughs> us, um, in case they're the, the subject of the next excoriating piece. Um, yeah, yeah. But far more importantly, it's raised a lot of laughs, yeah, yeah, which yeah. has been... More important than ever lately, hasn't it? It really has. It really has. So, so you know, we wanted to mark this major anniversary with a show dedicated to Chris's unique humour. It is unique. It is unique. (laughs) Just leave that hanging. Uh, And his entirely jaundiced uh, take on the world. Uh, You're you're a bit soft on Chris as well, aren't you? Because he gave you your first job in wine. He did. He did. He did. Yes, a commission for a champagne feature in Wine Magazine many, well, far too many years ago, more Mm. than I'd care to think about. Mm. Uh, Mm. But but let's be fair, this isn't all my doing. You you had a hand, did you not, in fake booze ever happening in the first Um, place? Well... Come on, uh, come on! I, I, I think I tried to convince Chris uh, to set up a sort of bleak, you know, uh, sort of biting social media presence a few years back. Not um, that we haven't got enough of those. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you know, I think this is after we've been on a press trip to Chile and we just laughed the entire week. Um, you know, I think anyone who knows Chris knows the man has a gift. You know, um, so even though, you know, he's very kindly said that I am partly to blame for fake booze, I can't claim any credit other than, you know, perhaps planting a seed. But no, this is all this is all Chris. (laughs) It's all Chris. Anyway, um, also on a personal note, but to to change tack briefly, Mm. we we want to take a moment to remember someone who we feel would have loved this episode, but very sadly is no longer with us to enjoy it. Yeah, Ollie Gadney was a wonderful friend whom we tragically lost recently. Uh, He was not only a lovely guy, but also a discerning and sort of enthusiastic and, and really generous, convivial 
wine lover. The best kind. Yeah. The yeah. very best kind. He's also a, a very loyal and hugely valued fan of the podcast, just as he supported and nurtured his, his friends, his family um, and his colleagues in so many ways. So, Ollie, we love you. We miss you. This one's for you. Okay, so um, I think we need to move on, or I'm going to fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think but sometimes it's it's good, isn't it, to be reminded of what what really matters in life, and sometimes that is taking a moment to to have a laugh um, and not take everything too seriously. You mean like like me taking the mick out of you in the in the trailer for. For, oh, for mispronouncing podcasts yes. as, as Codpast. <laughs> Codpast. Codpast. It's a brand new genre. I think You've it's invented, new. you know, a sort of <laughs> what is audio it? seafood fusion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be massive. Codpasting, you heard it here first. Uh, maybe not likely, but hey, <laughs> this episode is thankfully not uh, not about me. Um, but <laughs> could about, be. We can make it all about can... you, shall we? <laughs> Codpasting. Um, but it's but it is about fake booze, is it not? It so things booze. from uh, let's think Bond to hobbits, human sacrifice, uh-huh. Ginfandel, mm. dinosaurs, hungover graduates, and Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Who knew? Mm. Uh, there's also a fair amount of audio interference. Yeah, can we call it? We that? call it. Um, we were literally crying with laughter and and struggling to breathe as a result of uh, Chris's uh, humour. I think we I think we sort of managed to hold it together. But anyway, um, we apologise for all of that. Uh, we do also have a, a fantastic. Fantastic wine tip for a great value bottle mm. coming towards the end of the show as well. Just worth mentioning for that. But that is for later. Right now, it's all about our chat with Chris Losh of Fake Booze. And I started with congratulations on the anniversary and asked Chris how he would describe or, or, or sum up Fake Booze as it turns one. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Well, as you said, we're one year old now. Uh, like all newborns, uh, Fake Booze has spent most of the last year squawking, whinging and spraying crap in all directions. Unlike newborns, we have no intention of stopping. Um, When we started, uh, we had no real idea whether the drinks world would be able to keep a satirical website in content. There are, after all, as I'm sure you're aware, plenty of hilarious drinks publications out there, but none of them, as far as we know, are actually intentional. So in the dark hours before our launch, we were worried that perhaps there was a reason for that. Maybe, just maybe, we thought, the drinks world wasn't as ripe for comedy as we thought. But but it didn't work out that way. Oh, God, no. No, no. It turns out we totally needn't have worried, Pete. Uh, last 12 months have seen the usual, which is a constant procession of terrible ideas, awful product launches, and wincingly self-defeating PR. So it's just been like we'd hoped, frankly. I mean, but genuinely, if brand managers, marketers, journalists, and legislators didn't keep pumping out utter bilge, uh, we'd have nothing to write about. So... From the bottom of our heart, thank you to everyone in the drinks world. Genuinely, uh, we couldn't have done it without you. Well, well congratulations, Chris, once again. Um, now, now we know you, you've just done a quiz, uh, the mm. big fake booze birthday quiz, kind of a party game, which our listeners can now join in on right now. Uh, now, this quiz is based on 10 of the highly accurate wine stories fake booze has mm, run over the past mm, year mm. Um, and what we well, what we'd like to do is split the quiz if we can uh, do half now then finish with the final half later on if, if that's okay now I want to make it clear right from the start there are no prizes uh, and we probably can't even provide the answers because they're too rude but um, but anyway off you go yeah well yeah certainly if not rude then then probably libelous um, <laughs> I just like to say that the the make the prize is simply the joy of humor and, and listening to your marvellous podcast. So oh, I think that's, oh. that's, the, that's prize enough for everyone. I think. We're, next, so, we're, in the, we're in the firing line Is he, is he line being now, serious now or is he taking the mic? No, what, what do you think? So look, look I'm sure your listeners are, are hugely well informed about what's happening in the world of wine. 
Um, uh, sadly, that knowledge is going to be uh, absolutely no use to them here. <laughs> so uh, I'll read out the questions and see how they get on. Uh, obviously, all the answers are on the website, uh, fake-booze.com. So feel free to completely cheat and look them up on that. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll start now. So question number one, um, a nice a topic which we're all really um, interested in at the moment, I think. Uh, which of these is a key element in the creation of sherry? Uh, hold on, on the buzzers. It's not as straightforward as you might think. Uh, the answers are number one, is it floor? Is it two, palomino? Or is it three, dinosaurs? Mm. <laughs> so he told you it wasn't as straightforward as you might think. Um, you might think that's very obvious. Well, you might be wrong. Second question. Um, obviously, uh, this has been a very difficult year for the world's wineries, um, struggling with uh, climatic conditions which are best described as biblical. So um, which wine region, in light of that, is planning a human sacrifice to patch things up with God? OK, I mean, I, you know, the question is perhaps why they didn't think of it beforehand, but uh, maybe it's a little controversial. But who knows? Desperate times, desperate, desperate measures and all that. So this is the three regions. History. Which one is planning a human sacrifice to sort things out climatically? Is it one, Champagne? Is it two, Burgundy? Or is it three, California? It's quite tempting, incidentally, to put all of the above for that <laughs> one. But uh, <laughs> there's only one answer. OK, so you'll need to, to guess. OK, uh, third question. Uh, this one very much for all the MW students out there who, who love uh, obscure esoterica, as I'm sure you would agree, Pete and Susie, uh, given you are both uh, masters of wank. Um, what is Ginfandel? Ginfandel, that's G-I-N-F-A-N-D-E-L. What is Ginfandel? Is it one, a new hybrid grape variety? Is it two, a post-lockdown cocktail? Or is it three, a hobbit? <laughs> Um, given that this isn't a website about um, fantasy fiction, you can probably work out that the answer is probably not number three, but I just like the idea of a hobbit <laughs> called Gin Pandle. Um, Number four, fourth question. Uh, earlier this year, we started the uh, Crap Tasting Note of the Year Awards to recognise mediocrity, drivel and uncontrolled ego in wine writing. Uh, for too long, dreadful notes have been completely bypassed and, and, and we just thought that that had to change. And this was designed to remedy that. As we put it at the time, the crap tasting note of the year, because bad deserves better. So which of our winners from the crap tasting note of the year included the line, what if spring were eternal? Really, that, that is genuinely part of a tasting note. I'm sure we've all been there. Philosophical musings, hugely important to understanding the character of a wine. So what if spring were eternal? Is it from the winner of the they said what award? Is it the winner of the most pretentious award or was it the overall winner? Could be any of those three, but I think poking around on the website for the uh, Crap Tasting Note of the Year Awards is a brilliant way to waste many hours of your life and make yourself feel better for not being a complete idiot. And there are um, some very good ones on there, aren't there? Some strong <laughs> there entries. Are, uh, tragically, none of yours. Uh, I, I was hoping that someone would submit some or, or you could even submit your own. Well, you I think Susie, I, I was got lost so so deeply lost Susie, that you were never even going to find them. I, I would say <laughs> I, I caught Susie trying to send a couple of mine over, but uh, you know, I can't yeah, comment. Well, it's a, it's it's a, it's a form of therapy. Like I said, it's, I think people feel better for having sent them in. It's like lancing a boil or something. <laughs> anyway, so oh, the um, the final question in this half, and uh, because obviously there's only so much excitement anybody can take in one go, um, we don't just write about wine on fake booze. Oh no. 
because stupidity, after all, is pretty much universal across the drink spectrum. So, so which fake booze character wanted to build a wall between Ireland and Isla? Okay, was it one squillionaire inventor, Anal Musk? Was it two? esteemed political heavyweight, Eton Twat, or was it three poster boy for the malt-right movement, Dalmore Trump? Okay, so have a little thing. Just have interest. So this is very much part of fake booze, these kind of fictional characters who are fictional but not entirely fictional. So sometimes you can look at them and go, I think I know who that might be, but we won't necessarily put real people in there because it's a, it's a fictional universe designed to be like the real world, only a bit more so. Chris, I spent a lot of time sitting there going, who is that? What, what is he trying to say? I mean, I literally, and then Pete had to put me right several times. Um, although I got yeah. one that he didn't get, your, but your, I won't really say your what names, it is. Your names, your made-up names are a joy in themselves. Yes. Can I just say, yeah, Chris? Yeah. So yeah. there should be yeah. some sort of Oscar I, for I wasn't that, good right. on SpongeBob Come on, we need, to, we, need to, we need to keep moving on because <laughs> I'm going to fall off my chair. Um, right, so uh, Chris, you did get, you know, a, a scoop from a famous champagne house recently, Bollinger, uh, as their brand gears up to partner with the new with the James Bond franchise as uh, as they're launching the new film No Time to Die. Uh, tell us about that scoop. Yeah, well, originally they, I think they were going to do uh, one for plus size James Bond, and it was going to be No Time to Diet. But anyway, <laughs> they, they, moving on. Yeah, we did actually. We totally did get that scoop. Uh, we're obviously always first with the made-up news on, on fake booze. And, uh, they, you know, they always get these big-name tie-ins for the Bond film. So, you know, whether he's drinking Smirnoff martinis, martinis or, or in the less successful franchises, Malibu and Coke, perhaps in the 70s. But this, this one is a big-name tie-up, no, no, no question about it, with Bollinger. Uh, we actually got to speak to the winery's uh, chef de cave, uh, Dan A. Grand. Uh, he described it as being a, a perfect fit with the brand, you know, just like Bond films, he said, fans wait for our launches with bated breath. Plus, we're rich, old and worth a fortune. <laughs> he did admit, however, there was uh, slightly less wood in the company's cellars than in Daniel Craig's acting. Oh, <laughs> uh, mean, mean. <laughs> now, there's something special about the packaging uh, of the new tie-in Bolly release, isn't there? Oh, I can't tell you how exciting this is. Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing gets... Uh, a writer's adrenaline pumping quite like a packaging story. Uh, it's what all journalists live for. Uh, the COVID 007, oh, sorry, Cuvée 007 uh, features the 007 logo on the foil. I mean, ugh, it's amazing. It's like a logo, but on a bottle. It's incredible. Even more excitingly, uh, the bottle itself is packaged in a cardboard box showing a picture of the spy with his famous Aston Martin. I mean, we spoke to packaging experts and they, they described the whole concept of putting a man in a car on some cardboard as iconic, <laughs> seminal, and lots of other tired cliches. Um, I spoke to Simon Papercut. He's an expert in covering up bottles with stuff. And he said the launch was, quote, a brilliant way of making your recycling more expensive and also impressing people who need to get out more. Bollinger <laughs> um, themselves, though, they were quick to point out that the car isn't actually real and can't be driven. Um, James Bond might be licensed to chase bad guys at high speed, said uh, Monsieur Danny Grand, uh, but we're just chasing money. <laughs> so, so all of this is about oh mm, engaging uh, champagne and film lovers, right? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, we, uh, we had a, a chat with uh, Milka Franchise. Uh, she's the secretary... <laughs> of the 007 Appreciation Society. Uh, and she said that um, with this uh, special launch, Bollinger lovers really can feel as though they're part of an actual Bond film. In fact, 
with the implausible ideas, boring characters, huge budgets and unnecessarily massive expenditure, it'll just be like being back in champagne. <laughs> oh, my God. I've got to pick myself up. I'm, I'm crying here. Um, so anyway, Bond. From Bond, I think we move on to bins. OK, so you ran a headlining news flash piece on Odd Bins, the high street wine retailer recently. Why was that? Oh, Odd Bins. Oh. It's one of those things, isn't it? Everyone talks about how amazing and special it is, but no one ever shops there. And <laughs> as far as I know, in its 60 odd years of existence, the most money that Oddbins has ever made in one year is £4.50. <laughs> so news that its parent company had lost money this year really, really was a huge story. Um, I actually got hold of a guy called John Public outside a branch of his local price fixer supermarket. Uh, I'm completely stunned, he told me. Uh, not that they didn't make any money, but that they're still here. I thought they disappeared years ago. <laughs> so so what's, what has been happening then over recent years? Go on. Well, uh, Oddbins, uh, they went into administration in January 2019, uh, blaming an as yet non-existent pandemic, which we expect to appear in 12 months' time, <laughs> and which will make trading <laughs> impossible. Um, and then I had a chat with the current owners and they said that they were implausibly optimistic about the future. Uh, we will, they said, continue to support the chain until we can find someone stupid enough to take it off our hands. Um, <laughs> they were very quick, too, to underline the fact that Oddbins is still a great name and inspires real affection in everyone apart from their accountants. Um, I had a chat with a lot of famous drinks writers of a certain age. And though none of them wanted to go on the record, they did all agree that the chain definitely deserved to survive that the country would be poorer without it, although they personally tended to shop at Tesco because it was cheaper. <laughs> oh, Chris. Right, so go on. What's your, in your opinion, what is the way forward for Oddbins? Well, I, you know, I don't want to give my opinion because I'm not an expert in this area, but uh, drinks railing is, retailing is a famously cutthroat environment. Uh, it's often struggled to make money. In fact, it's been sold, closed, resurrected and lost behind the sofa on at least 25 separate occasions. So I went to an expert who, who would be able to give me the information on this. I, I spoke to a guy called Hugh Jarius. Uh, he's a business consultant. Uh, he really likes to talk bollocks for money. Um, it's tough to run Oddbins at a profit, he said, but the current owners can definitely, definitely make it less unsuccessful by cutting back the number of stores to a more manageable number. Uh, I'd suggest zero. <laughs> but I mean, come on, Chris. Oddbins has been an institution for a long time. Oh, God, yeah. And it really it's goes. been around even, even longer than your podcast has. So <laughs> I mean, just, like, just like BHS, Woolworths and lots of other now dead retailers, it's been a mighty, if unprofitable, presence on the UK high street for 50 years. Um, <laughs> it's particularly famous for helping democratise wine and break the category open for a whole new generation of drinkers. As famous drinks writer uh, Francis Jobinson pointed out, it really helped people to explore, she told us. Customers loved being able to get wines from all over the world for five quid, served by hungover graduates who couldn't get a proper job. <laughs> Right, uh, sounds a bit like us, doesn't it? Um, right, so it's getting a bit close to home, so let's move on, um, Chris, uh, to the earth-shattering news you broke, uh, which must have been the result of months of dogged undercover reporting, um, that an underwater vineyard uh, is set to produce the world's first Sea Vignon Blanc. Yes, yes, that, uh, lame puns are what we do very well in fake booze. Um, you might have seen a few stories by bored journalists in quiet months about people aging bottles of wine in the sea. Um, that's because it's a great way 
to get lots of free press by doing something completely pointless. Well, now a French winery claims to have gone one better by planting the world's first underwater vineyard. So I spoke to the company's owner, Bob Leponge Carré, uh, which is a joke for anyone with small children in multilingual, multilingual um, bilingual format, whatever. I'll, I'll, anyway, he was adamant that this was the real deal. You can't sail 50 metres round the French coast these days, he told us, without coming across some twat putting bottles in a cage and dropping them off a boat followed <laughs> by a film crew. But these losers are totally yesterday's news. Growing grapes underwater, he said, will take viticulture to new heights or rather depths. And, uh, and we can expect some tie-in merchandising too, is that right? Oh, yeah, I think so. In fact, I think for a wine like this, the marketing is probably more important than the wine itself. It's uh, a lot like champagne. So the company <laughs> definitely seeking approval for a new Van Vague appellation. Uh, once that comes through, I think they'll be rolling out all kinds of accompanying merch, including Pickers goggles, uh, Mervan for the Merman T-shirts and floating. I put the Mer into Merlot glassware. Uh, Monsieur Eponge Carré, uh, he told us they're going to market the wines as being perfect for seafood and drinking in the bath, whether that's true or not. Uh, he described the brand as being on a mission from Cod, but that pun was so bad that we terminated the interview. <laughs> Um, but there there have been differences of opinion haven't there yeah there have I mean not everyone thinks that this is uh, an entirely viable business proposition a a lot like fake booze really Um, we spoke to um, gullible blogger uh, Ivan O'Scruples he's professionally excitable Uh, he said he thought the new vineyard was an exciting development and definitely the future after all he told us the bottom of the sea is probably warmer than the UK, no wetter than Germany, and less likely to go up in smoke than California, Australia, or frankly, most of Southern Europe. Um, the thing is, though, that less idiotic critics have raised concerns that the seabed could prove unsuitable for grape growing, citing, among other things, lack of oxygen, too much water, extreme salinity, and low temperatures. Um, journo scientist, a drinks writer, James Fabulous, was adamant that this was a no-go. It's cold, dark, inhospitable, and aggressively salty, he said. It would be like trying to grow something in wine Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, the the big question, uh, Chris, is uh, what if it all comes to nothing? Well, the new Ventures owner, Monsieur Eponge Carré, he admits that the Ventures are a huge gamble, Pete. Um, The wine not make it to market, or if it does, it could prove largely undrinkable. But but he said that there were still upsides. Um, Since the announcement, he told me, there's been a huge uptick in my social media engagement. And and that's far more important than than taste or scientific credibility for for any nascent wine brand these days. Um, Just ask Cameron Diaz. Okay, okay, okay. So I feel like we, we've we've caught up. We have caught up with the the biggest uh, headlines mm, in the wine world mm, over the last yeah. year. Uh, but I think before we say goodbye, um, our listeners still do need to hear the five final questions from your yes. birthday quiz. Yes. So come on, Chris, off you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah assuming they can take the excitement. Um, there's nothing quite like reading <laughs> I'm out not sure. as links to stories on a podcast. It really, really <laughs> works. Anyway, so here we go. So obviously, wine condition, wine conditions, wine competitions are a huge thing. Uh, that's because they're a great, great way for hard-pressed magazines to earn money. But which globally recognised drinks competition introduced new vibranium medals this year? Is it one, the Decanter World Wine Awards? Is it two, 
the easy medals equivalent to investment competition known as emetic or is it three the crap tasting note of the year awards so that's vibranium medals which obviously uh, are better than gold platinum double gold triple platinum trophy blah 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 they're, they're as good as you can get because it doesn't even exist that's how good that <laughs> precious metal is um next question um obviously uh, nobody wants hangers on hoovering up the leftovers and cracking open bottles of the good stuff at the end of a party do they no we don't so what drinks brand is proven to quotes remove 99.9 percent .9 of all guests <laughs> Is it one, Barefoot Merlot? Is it two, Archers? Or is it three, Black Tower? Mm. You could probably argue that literally any of them could. <laughs> Only one of them actually had um, an official study associated with it earlier this year, which, which we broke as a massive story, which weirdly the BBC ignored. Um, next question. Drinks, drinks writers are a much valued presence in the world of booze, at least by themselves. But what, according to drinks writers, is, quotes, all crap, unquote? <laughs> is it one, their pay rates? Is it two, the quality of free lunches nowadays? Or is it three, drinks writing itself? Mm, mm. That's quite meta, isn't it? Yes. Mm. So penultimate question, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, there's been a lot of talk about drinks magazines needing to engage with the younger, hipper audience and get the new generation on board, pointlessly. So which drinks publication stunned its critics by announcing a new era of hip celebrity-themed interviews? Is it one, drinks bore? Is it two, wine expectorator? Or is it three, decanter? Mm. Yes, good question. I'm sure we've all got the latest issue of Wine Expectorator. It's a very, very high quality publication. Finally, last question. What, according to completely made up scientists, could be extinct in 20 years time? Is it one, Baileys, two, French grape growers, or three, fake booze if you don't support it you type bastard okay <laughs> so what according to made-up scientists could be extinct one baileys two french great growers or three fake it's, not, a, it's a strong message be, it's a strong message uh, on that note not gonna be extinct. on that note we say chris losh of fake booze thank you thank you So just in case you didn't pick up on the very gentle, subtle hint in that last question, if you like fake booze and you'd like fake booze and Chris not to go extinct in the next year, please do consider supporting his brilliant work. We love it. Um, you can donate via Patreon, anything from £2 a month up to the super faker level of £115 a month. Yeah, and, and all of this info is, of course, available on his website, fake-booze.com, uh, where there's also, it goes without saying, a wealth of, of dark material to lose yourself in. Uh, you, you literally can lose yourself for days in there, so, so be careful. Uh, it's also <laughs> worth well worth signing up to the Fake Booze social channels if you fancy your day being brightened on a regular basis. Uh, he's got those on, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And the good news is, if you're going to support, you'll already be flush for cash because we're going to help you save some right now by uh -huh. recommending the most amazing value bottle of wine. It is beautifully juicy, upbeat. It's a refreshing red from Sicily that is the snappily named, I have to say, here we go, 
Fiudo di Santa Teresa, Rina Russa, Frappato, 2019. I love that um, Italian. How, how good was that? Thrown in there. How awful! Was it's that? very authentic. Um, in, well, anyway, whatever it is, it's it's eight ninety five from the Wine in. Society. So that's yeah. a snip. Um, it's eight ninety nine at Ocado and a little bit more at Vintage Roots, but Sounds a brilliant nice. value red for the end of the summer. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's low stocks in the Wine Society, so you may need to move quickly. It's also in the states at about you know eleven to fourteen dollars. Empire Wine in New York, Vine Republic, New Jersey, Manchester Wine and Liquors. I mean, it's brilliant wine, isn't it? It's lovely. It's we a fantastic loved it. Wine. Light, refreshing. It's the kind of wine that upbeat. brings joy. Yeah. It's joy in a glass. Um, it's it's sort of lovely, fruity, cheeky number, isn't it? Um, mm. And it's organic, suitable for vegans. Cool. We've got the bottle here. Is There's not much left in it now. Um, plus, <laughs> it does say another a drop on the back label, which says delightfully. It says, in Sicily, we drink it slightly chilled with grilled tuna. Love it. How good's that as a, as, a, as a recommendation? Not very Italian in your little accent there. I'm well, I, I decided after hearing yours. <laughs> Thank you. Moving on. I could do it in a sort of Essex <laughs> estuary. I think that might be more worth doing it. But, you know, it's, it, it is a lovely wine, as you say, to enjoy as a summer draws to a close here mm. in the Northern Hemisphere. But mm-hmm. equally in the Southern Hemisphere for you guys, it's a springtime wine as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Full of the joys of spring. So anyway, um, we enjoyed it just to, to say with, with a duck dish, didn't we? And we did. it went perfectly with that too. Fruity so. duck. Mm. Anyway, a wine for all seasons. On which note, it is time to sign off. Thank you for joining us, for laughing along with mm. us and for raising a glass with us. Cheers. Cheers.